Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I have Chris Prefontaine, which he is the founder and CEO of Smart Real Estate Coach, as well as a real estate investor of over 30 years experience. Chris, how are you doing today? I am awesome, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I love the fact that I cannot mess up your name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We won't have any issues. So we should be good on that. And I love that. And as we were kind of talking about uh, this uh, great conversation, we had mentioned that actually a couple of shows ago, we had the chance to have your son uh, on the show. And I'm really looking forward to kind of dabbling into this conversation and kind of like a follow up to what you guys do with uh, uh, smart real estate coaching. But before diving into all that, I give a small introduction of who you are, what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our listeners? Sure. So we to your to your intro of investor and and smart real estate coach. Uh, real simple. So we're in the field since the crash. We can talk about that during the show. But we're in the field doing deals every single week. My myself and Nick, who you met, and my son-in-law Zach. And then we take that and we simply go to the coaching side of the business and we teach that exact same thing. Now here's the, the important bridge: is this we are in the field with the students doing deals, locking arms, doing calls, everything. This is not, hey, here's how you do it, or hey, here's our course, good luck. It's very interactive. I don't know any other way to shorten the learning curve in the real estate world, so that's how we do it. I love that. I love that aspect of not just talking to talk, but walking the walk, which I truly believe in the evolution of our education, just in general, the last uh, several uh, years, the students have been wanting that. We don't want yeah. just want professors that know the knowledge, know what's written in the book, but don't have the actual life practice because things evolve, things change. So the fact that you're teaching people how to become real estate investors, but you're still active in it, you're still moving on and doing your things, I think is just a win-win. And in regards to the real estate side of things, investing, do you guys specialize or do you guys target one specific area such as uh, family units? Do you target plexes? Do you target uh, apartment syndications? What's your expertise in that regards? Yeah. So, okay. We, we target mainly. So when I teach nationally, I teach single families and within the, and then I'll have a caveat to that. And then within that, how we buy is only on terms. So creative real estate, it would be owner financing subject to existing financing or lease purchase only. Hmm. And that was all born Chris out of the crash of 08, because I got just absolutely trounced financially, emotionally, mentally, hell, everything. So I came out of that thinking, the only way I'm going to do this is if I don't have to take out loans and sign my name personally. And that's how we built this niche, number one. Number two, we built it to sort of thrive in all markets. Is it harder when the market's really, really good, like it, we just came out of? Yeah, but it just means you got to call more people. But this niche was built, the terms niche, to thrive in literally all markets. So I'm frankly looking forward to the change that we're experiencing right now and, and to come. So when you're talking about the change to come in that regard, you're talking about that we're moving from a buyer's market to a vendor's market or the opposite, or we're going towards more of a neutral market. 
What do you well, I Yes and no. Yes and yes. Meaning this change going on, interest rates are going up. No one can, it's not a prediction. It's going up. Um, the default of loans is not what it was prior to 08, but there's some, there's some sense of something's going on and changing over the next few years. We're going to see which direction that takes, but certainly because interest rates are going up so rapid right now for us, you, you are seeing um, the amount of people to apply for a loan, for example. Um, one of our loan officers we know very well in our community said he took 10 applications for a, a loan to process one in the past 90 days ago. Now with this re recent change in interest rates, he's processing double that to get a loan through. So there's a lot of buyers being pushed to the side. That means the seller demand is going to go down naturally. And that means they, they need terms like we offer. So, so I always welcome the change. My wife always says, how is such and such going to affect your business? And I always say, it's going to be great because any change or chaos where people need guidance, we, that's where we specialize. Yeah. Because like you said, you do creative financing. So if it is more difficult to get financing for people, but they still need to move out, they still need to they go with yeah. their family. They look at these creative options such as you guys offer. Uh, so that is very interesting, Chris. And if I remember correctly, when we were speaking with Nick, he had said that when he got into real estate, he really interested him because his father, aka you, was in that industry for years. So let's take it back. How did you get in real estate? Was it you started as a broker and then went into the investing side? Did you start straight up into uh, investing? How did your process start happen years back? I actually started building, believe it or not, and I was never a builder. So I'm not talking about in the field banging nails. You wouldn't want me building your house, but I did hook up with a builder in the field. I would locate the land, put the package together. He would build the home and the, you know, we, onward we went and we built hundreds of homes that way. That was 91 till about 95 and 95. I bought a realty executives franchise, put, put my broker hat on after I did my time to do that. Uh, with one goal, Chris, at that time, sell it in five years. And everybody said, you can't sell a brokerage business. And I said, okay. So I built that up, sold it to Coal Banker in 2000. And then after 2000, coached people primarily in Canada, actually, Toronto, 48 clients or so I had. And they were all like million dollar and above producers who kind of needed work on efficiency and personal things and things like that. That led me up to the crash where I was doing my own investments. And that crash just beat me up. I had about 22, 23 properties signed personally on loans. And so when the crash happened and values sunk, uh, banks came knocking and that was an ugly time. And that took four years to dig out of, but it was the impetus to do what we're doing today. Because you couldn't have convinced me back then that was good, but I look back and go, perfect. It's why we've got the success we have today and the model we have today and the mindset we have, everything because of the crash. Okay. So Great story in that regards. And you kind of touched many things from, like you said, being a builder and going into the broker side of things and then selling it in 2000 or 2002, if you mentioned, if I remember correctly. And then finally going into the aspect of like, oh my God, the crash happened in 2008, which was a subprime lending. People were getting loans and not being properly credited and so on and so forth. Now, when this crash happened, if we really unpack that moment, what did that relate to what specifically happened to you? And if you were back then, again, knowing what the knowledge you would have, what would you different so you'd be more protected? Because you said previously you had some stuff signed under your name. How yeah. would you protect it now? God forbid something like that happens again or so on and so forth. How do you protect yourself? How do we look about it as investors to be more eloquent in that situation again? Well, a couple of things there. Some, some are legal, but some are just smarter, right? No pun intended. That, like, 
I don't sign personally on loans now. And if I do, it's for a personal residence and it has a loan to value, of, you know, 20%, something crazy, easy to deal with conservatively. Number one. So no signing on personal loans. Um, number two, when you think about any change in the market, usually after the dust settles, i.e. when 2008 happened, the dust probably settled by 10, where you go, oh, okay, this is like the bottom. You want and need dry powder, you cash at that point, you do. And instead, I was fully leveraged on those properties like it would never end. And so when it, when it crashed, I had no dry powder, I had no cash, and I was signed personally. It was like a good double whammy. So you want to be you want to be super careful to make sure those things are going on. That's that's just like a, a strategy. However, I also immediately after that, and to this day, introduce a gentleman who does estate planning and proper asset protection to all of our students. Because if I had that set up, things would have been a little better. I'm not saying it would have all went away overnight, but a bit it would have been a little better. Third, the way we buy now on terms, I didn't know that back then, but the way we buy creatively now. Not only does it have longer terms, time frames, so I don't care literally what the market does, number one. Number two, it has protection built in the agreements, smartly drawn up by our attorney over the years. It was just, it's night and day from where it was pre-crash, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, because you learn from me, but like you said, the system and process in place as much as from your attorneys to what you're making people sign to the lease options and so on and so forth. Right. Now- do you predict, and this is obviously prediction, so kind of air quotes within this, but do you predict something similar to 2008 happening again, especially if we look at what the Fed has been doing with printing trillions of dollars lately and creating this almost hyperinflation or going towards hyperinflation with the fiat currency that we're currently living in? Do you think that that's happening? And if so, what would you go about as an approach for a new investor, would you still say, hey, hold capital, hold real estate, stock, bonds, like uh, crypto? What would you kind of talk about that? Okay, good question. I'm not qualified to answer the piece of you know where to go, crypto, stocks, bonds. I, I just know what I do. So I always answer with stories and or examples of me. Um, first of all, if you or I knew what was going to go on prediction-wise, right? In quotes, yeah. I don't understand. If you or I knew, we'd be, we wouldn't be on this podcast. We, I promise you, we'd be on a beach somewhere. So we don't know that. And the people that predict, I hate to say it, they're telling the truth in their mind, right? Of course they are, but they're lying because you can't predict. The billionaires can't get it right. They, they don't know what's going to happen. All, all that to say, in my opinion, yes, there's been some pullback. We have the luxury in our community, the Wicked Smart community, of being like a microcosm of society, meaning mm -hmm. I get feedback from everyone, but no, all of North America. So I get a sense now from many of the markets, like we'll, we'll be with them tonight on a Zoom call. And I get a sense for... Wow, the expired listings have doubled. Wow, my sales are calling back now. It's already starting to, to happen. Now, what'll happen nationally and, 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 and all across North America? I don't know. I just, what I said earlier and alluded to was something's going to change because interest rates is the only way to cure things right now for the, for the feds. And so if that's going to keep going, the demand's going to come down for the sellers. It has to, has to, has to happen. And, and they're pushing hundreds of thousands of buyers to the sidelines who can't now qualify. They could 90 days ago. So, it's going to change. I don't know what's going to happen. What can they do to avoid anything strange? Buy on terms. Because this like this building I'm sitting in right now, Chris, is my office building. I bought it on owner financing. I bought up the I, what I negotiated with the with the seller was a 20-year note, the vendor, a 20-year note. Do I care if the market goes up, down, or sideways over the next 20 years? No. I know in 20 years it's going to be fine. It's probably going to be triple. 
but I don't care short term if I don't, if I didn't pin myself to a deal that makes me want to flip a, a house or flip a building or have to refi or anything that has a date ticking. That's just careless right now with the market being uncertain and chaotic. Does that make sense? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's great that you have that approach and that 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 knowledge. But it is definitely going towards something, like you said, just from the aspect of how much money is getting printed, an aspect of like the the mortgage rates going up, and that is going to create right. something coming up. Like we said, we don't necessarily know where to go with this or what's going to happen, but something is happening. So definitely uh, keep your eyes open in that regards. Now, if we shift this conversation from the real estate side of things to more the high performance side of things. Chris, it's very obvious that uh, you're a successful individual. You've created something amazing. And not only that, you have this great aspect that you're working with your son and son-in-law. And that's something I want to talk to about in a bit as well, working family. But before doing that, I want to know what are some of your rituals and habits that you do on a daily basis to be such a high-performing individual? Um, I think, first of all, this is a good question because I think that anyone listening, I don't care if you're in the restaurant business, I don't care if you sell popcorn, I don't care if you sell properties, right? It doesn't matter. The mental game is super important. I've had some big, big names on my podcast and I asked them what, how much they think the mental game weighs into all, all of this. Cause I, cause we do mental skill set and systems. Those are the three pillars. And they all, they all say somewhere between 80 and hundred percent is yeah. it's that important. So, so the rituals uh, or the daily habits for me would be uh, in this order, um, getting up, making sure there's either a workout or a yoga, either one. And, and, and I'm not talking about three hours. I'm talking about anywhere between 10 and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it is um, simple meditation guided five to 10 minutes. Again, I'm not talking about sitting in the dark room for four hours. I can't do that, frankly, but I can do the guided meditation and then uh, reading or listening to what I call my future statement. I have all my students do this. It's a statement that I read and I write as if it's some point in the future. Usually it's the year end. And so every day that's going in my, my mind, every day, the very few days where I miss that. And if I'm in the car, it's playing, or if it's in the morning and I'm working out, it's playing, or I'm reading it just to get something different. That's sort of the standard morning, uh, at least five days out of the seven uh, per week. And if I don't, I just feel off. I'm just a little bit off. Um, And so I don't know if that's, if there's a nugget or two in there for you, but that for the listeners, I should say, but that's what I talk to my students about as well. hundred percent. There is definitely for the listener, one only for listeners for me as well. And I want to highlight a couple of things over here as our listeners have been listening and just going through all these amazing people that have been on this podcast, all of these things that Chris, you just mentioned come time and time again, they come about. And the morning rituals from waking up to doing your workouts, to doing the yoga, doing the meditation and doing your affirmations is so vital for your success. Because what you're doing is you're planting in your subconscious mind, a reality part of you that is in the future. Not only your subconscious mind, but your reticular activating system within your brain is able to spot out the things that you want in the future and able to guide you throughout your day. And the thing that you alluded to when you asked people that are around your circles that are highly achieving, how much is the mindset side of things? And I think that 80% is spot on. That's what I truly believe. Like 80% of success is psychology and 20% is mechanics. Like I could tell you the 20% of how to lose weight and so on and so forth. But if your mindset's not ready to put in the work, to wake up every single morning, to eat healthy, the 20% is not going to be worth anything. You have to get your mind right before anything. And that's what you kind of teach with your clients and your customers in that regards. And that's something I do a lot as well with my top end CEOs that really want to go to that next level in my coaching services. So I love that we kind of alluded to that. 
Now, Chris, my, my next question, as you kind of figure this out, and like I said, I'd previously kind of alluded to it. A lot of people in business have the ideology of don't work with families. So it's, 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 I've heard both sides. Don't work with families. Some people love working with families. Some people are like, hey, don't mix and match that business because something goes wrong, especially when there's money involved and so on. I want to know your perspective, the fact that you're working with your son, with your son-in-law. What do you see about that? What do you think about that? And how do you go approaching, hey, today I'm wearing my father hat. Today I'm wearing the boss hat. Today I'm, I'm wearing the leadership hat. How do you go about juggling that? What advice can you give to entrepreneurs that are maybe build dallying with that decision in itself? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think the people that say don't, and this is going to be kind of a, a direct statement. That's just my style. Don't take it personally if you're listening. Um, but when they say don't do that, and I'm because and, attorneys will do this too, right? Not just mm-hmm. average people. Um, if they say don't, one of two things you got to make sure you're clear on. Have they ever done it mm-hmm. or are they presently doing it? If they come from a level of expertise and they say don't, okay, maybe there's some weight to it. Usually, my experience has been when they say that they either did it poorly, so therefore they think everybody will do it poorly, or they have no experience doing it. So be careful. If, you, if it's the latter two, there's no reason to listen to them. I don't care what they tell you. Okay, that's so that's first. Second, um, sort of how you how you put the different hats on. We the company runs on uh, guided by, I should say, a mission statement and a set of values. And those weren't something dictated from me or anyone else. Those were voted on. And so when the decision comes up, it's not a family decision. It's not an emotional decision. It's not so-and-so said it. And therefore we got to listen because it's family. None of that. It's does it line up with the mission, purpose, and values or not that we all voted on, period, end of story. That's what makes it simple. Secondly, we don't bring things home. Uh, that are negative. I don't mind celebrating wins, but we don't bring home anything negative, even to the point where Nick and I at one point lived uh, next to each other and the office was two blocks in the other direction. And when we would get in the driveway, we'd act like we didn't see each other and say, how was your day? Just keep it. It's just separate. And we would have a chuckle and we'd go into our houses. It's separate. It's not the same day. Okay. So many golden nuggets just dropped here. So I always want to highlight it and re- repeat it for our listeners because mm, the mother skill of success is repetition, right? So first and foremost, you mentioned when somebody tells you, don't do this, you have to validate two things, like you mentioned. First of all, ask that person, have you done it? Right off the bat, because a lot of people give advice, like you mentioned, Chris, so eloquently, that never done it. So what kind of advice can you give me if you've never actually worked with Correct. your uh, family and so on and so forth? First thing. Second thing, imagine they do say yes, beautiful. Then try to find out, have they done it well? Because maybe they did something completely wrong. Maybe they weren't able to separate the family life, the business life, and maybe put that structure in place that that crept that 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 equilibrium when it comes to that relationship. So that's the second thing. What I truly love, and then the last thing, well, not last thing, but the before last thing that I wanted to allude to over here, which is something I work on intensely with everybody, is the mission and vision. You're separating the business as a third party, right? And that's yep. the mission and the vision. So when it comes to building a business. Your son, Nick, is not working for the father, Chris. He's working for the mission and vision of the organization. Correct. The mission and vision of the organization matches up with Chris and anybody else and Nick and anybody else that wants to work within that company, then it's going to be so much more easier to look at, hey, I'm not working for an employee, but I'm looking for that mission and vision. And within their skill set, they're going to be moving that mission and vision forward. So I love that aspect. And the last thing you mentioned is don't bring negativity back in the home. And that's a lot of practice that you have to do. It doesn't happen overnight, but just the fact that you have that awareness 
helps us immensely. So Chris, thank you very much for that. And as our time is kind of uh, uh, coming down over here, I just want to ask you a couple of last questions before sure. uh, we, we uh, wrap up this podcast. My next question is, it's very obvious once again, that you are extremely successful and we've learned so many things about what you just mentioned, but I truly believe we don't only learn about people's successes, but we learn a lot from our own failures and from other people's failures as well. So my question to you right now, what is the one thing that is challenging you intensely, immensely, or in a certain way within your business that you're having a hard time with? What is that one thing? And what is your thought pattern of how to fix that situation? Sure. This is good because this is every, this is technically every year or every stage of a business. And so if right now, there's a certain stages businesses go through and in and, and my eyes, and it's sort of that, I'll break it down real simple so we don't take a lot of time on it, but it's sort of the zero to a million. I don't want to water it down, but it's, it's easy or easier than most people think because it means more hustle, more calls, more follow-up. Like you can muscle your way there. One to three, it's a whole different ballgame. Three to 10, it's an entirely different ballgame. And that's the zone we live in right now in our company. And so I, what do we do? We seek out to fix it, to, to help it. We seek out people who have done it. It's almost like we just say with the people that say don't. So the people that got us the million, great. People that got us the three, not the same people as the three to 10. Some people stay on the bus, but it's very difficult. So we look for people that have done that done that meaning brought their own company or part of that company that did the three to 10 million. So that's our next challenge. And it's not, it's never easy. And it always takes longer than you think, because when you, when the company is that size and you make a change, say with an ad or a staff member, you can blow six or eight months, not to mention the dollars attached to it. And all of a sudden you go, what happened? It's not supposed to do that. Well, okay. We got to reset and, and keep going. Um, so that's the biggest thing right now to get into that next level because we choose to and a whole different set of circumstances. I love the fact that you broke that down because you're 100% right to get from even a zero to 100,000 with the first six figures is one thing. And then from six figures to half a mil is another. From half a mil to a million is a complete other mindset and approach. And then going towards, hey, we just made three. Now, how do we go to that 10? There's ways that we have to think differently and not only getting the right person, but getting the person that's already walked the walk. They don't have all the answers. Maybe they're just one chapter ahead of you, but at least they'll give you the recipe that they've followed to get to that point. So I love the fact that you have that awareness and know that that's where you're kind of going towards. And talking about that three to 10, so have you found those right people in that regards? And what are you doing to kind of make that difference between your company earning three to the company earning 10? Is that bringing more books. And we are going to mention your book in a few seconds here, but is that bringing different products? Is that growing more your reach to an international level? Is that hiring more coaches on the organization? How are you looking about that aspect? Yeah. Um, it's definitely staff, meaning I've got a different logic on staff, Chris, and I'd love to know what your opinion is on this, but some people look at, even the people we coach, look at staff, whether they're adding one or 10. They look at it as an expense and in most, some cases it is, but most cases when you, when we properly build and put the right people on the bus or the, or the, or the train, whatever you want to say, they're driving revenue. So we have a per revenue number in our head. We know what it is. I mean, per employee revenue number in our head, uh, when we're off and, and we know we get a higher, if we, if we're straining ourselves and the revenue is a little bit higher per head. So I'm being brief with that answer, but that's the, that's the, it's people. Yeah. hundred percent people. Yeah. Um, that, that, that'll get us to the next level for sure. I, I, I hundred percent believe that. And yes, what would be my opinion on that? 
100%, Chris. I truly believe that because the reality is once you have the structure of what you just mentioned, having that mission and vision, once again, every single person that you're hiring has that same mission and vision with that goal. And the way that you look at people hiring is 100% an investment. It's not an expense. Granted, you might need to go through a couple of employees before finding that right fit because that's just a reality. And then you might look at it, oh, this was an expense. But the latitude of the whole aspect of finding that right person and being with your organization for X amount of years is an investment. And one thing that I would add upon this is <clears throat> as a CEO of my business and yours as well, like it's you being your, your CEO on your uh, business, if you want to be successful and go to that 10 million and more, you have to leverage people's times. It's impossible for you to do it by yourself. So right. by you hiring somebody, all that means is you just gained another 40 hours a week. You hire somebody else, you gain another person's 40 hour a week for that particular job. So it's the only way that I perceive growth to be possible. So I do agree with you. I love the fact that we kind of alluded to that and we highlighted it. Before, before we go, uh, we go uh, and wrap this up, Chris, talk to us a bit about your book. And you had mentioned that there was something that you wanted to offer to our viewers and listeners as well. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, one is uh, our free Amazon bestseller. And we usually throw a couple of them in there. We have three. Because I, I I just hear on shows all the time, Chris, oh, get my free book. And then you go to get it and you got to put your card in for shipping. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually us shipping it at our cost. So you won't pay anything. All you got to do is go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash peak performance. So it's something we set up just for your tribe, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash peak performance. And what I thought, what I said to you off here that I would do, and I'm happy to do this, is I have a class that goes about just under an hour. It's free. Just go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash masters class. If you don't mind listening to me for another hour, you get that for free. I love that. So first and foremost, thank you very much for offering that free book. Like you said, not even paying the shipping, just legit put in your contact info and I'll be sending you a free book, which I'm sure is going to be filled with great value just with listening to you and having that conversation with Nick previously, your son as well. And uh, you did mention that you are offering this free uh, coaching or one hour, which once again, if you're interested in real estate, uh, I do believe that uh, Chris and Nick, they definitely know what they're talking about in that regards. So one last thing, Nick, you did mention a couple of, uh, sorry, one last thing, Chris, so you did mention a couple of last things over here in regards to reaching out to you, but is there any other place that our uh, listeners could contact you? Is there any social media that you're more on if they want to ask you more questions about what you do and how do you do it? Uh, a nice, well, we're on all the social media, but if you go to uh, YouTube, there's about 150 now, maybe more live deals, Chris, where we don't just give fluff. We give like, here's where we messed up. Here's where a student might've messed up. Here's where we won. It's the good, the bad, and the challenging. So uh, go to YouTube and just type in smart real estate coach and you'll get that. Nice. So Chris, thank you very much. Everything you yeah. did mention will be in the show notes below guys. So go ahead and check that out. Awesome job with everything you're doing. Definitely beyond impressed about you, your son, and the way that you run your business. So congratulations for all your success. And if there's anything I could support you with in that regard, let me know. I appreciate it, Chris. Be safe. All right. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. 
Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.